Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive faith community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. So it was early on in my time here, and I was still learning my way around the city and the neighborhood, still looking to see where are those places that I can go to escape just for a little while, somewhere where I could be where nobody could find me just for an hour. You see, I wanted to talk to my spiritual director. We have a phone appointment once a month, and I wanted to be somewhere where no one would interrupt me and no one would hear me, so I could say all of it, all of how I was feeling and what was going on, and I was looking around for a place to go, and I found it, the cemetery, Lakewood. I went there, and I visited the chapels, old and new, the named and the unnamed dead, The famous and the never known all held together in the rolling hills and the water views there. I found respite in the cemetery, visiting the earth that rests and riots and ultimately holds us all. So every month now, it's become my habit. When it's time for my spiritual direction session on the phone, I go to the cemetery. Sometimes I pick different spots, but mostly the same place. And I rest there, somewhere on those beautiful grounds in the city of the dead, and I talk with this person who is dear to me about my life and my ministry, about my spiritual practice, about how the holy is moving in my life. It's been almost seven years that we have been doing this together, once a month meeting up there in the cemetery over the phone. This last week, I had an appointment on Tuesday. Do you remember Tuesday? It was gorgeous. It was 70 and sunny, and I was sitting there on a bench next to the water with my feet swinging with ducks and geese who were like fighting with each other, trying to get their territory set there in the water. And I took a picture of the moment and I sent it to my spiritual director, and I could hear her flipping through her notes as we were there on the phone. And she said, Do you know what was happening last month when we talked? You were literally lost in the cemetery. You had gotten so far off track, you couldn't find your way back, and it was the middle of a snowstorm. Do you remember? I tell you, we are bounced up and down and back and forth, pinballed around by the circumstances of our lives, pinballed around by forces that are sometimes within our control and often beyond our control. When we notice, we experience all of it. Sunny and 70, snow and slush, all in the span of a day or a week or a month. Death right there in the midst of a vibrant life. Grief with us always. Joy and persistent beauty right there too. This morning we will hear in some ways the music of grief in the midst of life. Mozart's Requiem commissioned as a funeral mass for the dead in 1791. Today, many of us will listen, letting the sounds of the instruments and the voices wash over us and open our hearts. Some of us will be busy recreating the masterpiece, letting the pain and the longing, the pleading and the urgency move through you literally as channels of the holy, of compassion, 
Together you will create something out of this gift from the past, each one of you adding your voice to build a harmony that can only be made together. May the beauty of this work surround us. May it shake us up and wake us up to the pinballing truth of our lives, grief and joy, death and creation, beauty and longing, all at the same time. Come, let us worship together.
Born in Austria in 1756, it was clear almost immediately that Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was a musical genius. He crafted his first composition at the age of five. Five. He went on tour around Europe with his father and his sister, playing the violin and the piano at the age of six, performing for royalty. He studied and learned, and he worked hard, and he learned quickly. I can only imagine the swell of joy that his father felt as Wolfgang's genius became clear. Himself a violinist and a composer, Wolfgang's father, Leopold, dove in, tutoring and teaching and promoting his son in all of the ways of music, pushing him, encouraging him, urging to keep this singular focus on his gift so that he might come to his most profitable and prodigious fruition. Keep your mind on the music, I imagine Leopold telling his son. Live out all that I have only begun, I imagine him whispering in his heart. Mozart's music grew with operas and symphonies and concertos pouring out of him at unbelievable speeds. A move to Vienna brought exposure to a wider culture, to colleagues, to love. I imagine that Wolfgang faced the same strains and stresses that young actors and pop stars face today, with all of this fame and pressure thrust upon them. You can imagine that our young hero, he didn't know much of the word humility. He found himself living and working among the aristocracy, among the most wealthy, and he wanted to live that way too, but what he was earning didn't keep pace and depth debt began to creep in, forcing him into corners. The death of his father hit him hard. The swirl of pride and dis disappointment that both came from his father to him still swirling there after his death. In an effort to curb his mounting debt, Mozart moved his family out of the city. He pleaded for loans from friends and his productivity slowed down. It was into this particular moment that a commission came unsolicited for a funeral mass. Completion of the piece would come with a large sum. Maybe there was a way out. It was from this moment that the requiem rose. Struggling with an illness that we will never know enough to name, Mozart began to compose. He worked furtively, but he did not finish. Mozart died at the age of 35, the requiem incomplete. It was a life full of beauty, a life full of love, a life with devoted parents and appreciative audiences, filled with fame and fortune that most of us will never know, a gift of creativity, his, that was beyond belief. And still, with it all, pain and grief and loss, a life that pinballed like all of ours do, back and forth, pushed by forces within and beyond our control. And for him, a final composition not yet complete. It was Mozart's wife and his students that picked up his work. Building on the foundation that he had laid, his student completed the piece, his wife ensured that it was heard. In the next movements that we'll hear together today, you will experience the transition from one composer to another, though honestly, before someone told me, I never would have heard it. When we get to the Lacrimosa, listen, Mozart composed the first six measures, his student picked up and finished the rest. 
And it leads me to ask, would this movement be more beautiful if Mozart had completed the work himself? Does it matter that Mozart extended the dreams of his father, that his students and his wife extended his dreams and his artistry? Does it matter that each of us, each member of our choir and orchestra, everyone here, that we're all bringing our own perceptions, our own limitations, our own gifts to this moment when we hear this movement? There is no work that is completed alone. The way of creation demands so much more from us, pinballing off of one another and all that ever has been and all that ever will be, we each play our part participating in the ongoing unfolding of creation, all of us completing the work together.
We cannot know yet how the story will end. We do not know yet what will unfold. The lineage of care and interdependence stretches back through all of humankind and all of human time. And we don't know yet where this broken-feeling country of ours, these sometimes broken-feeling families of ours, these sometimes-feeling broken hearts of ours are going. We don't know yet how the story will unfold. The writer Mark Nepo reminded me this week that things are always falling apart and coming back together at the same time. This is actually the way of life and the way of creation. Things are always falling apart and coming back together at the same time. It's just that when things fall apart, it is so seriously noisy. It can be loud and disruptive and capture all of our imagination and attention when things fall apart. And in this society of ours, he said, in this moment, We've become addicted to the noise of things falling apart. But at the same time, quietly, sometimes underground, things are knitting their way back together again, like roots reaching for the soil, for the sustenance, like water wearing down a rock. Things are coming back together again, too. This week, many of you received a letter from the congregation letting you know that we will not be receiving the lead gift for our capital campaign, that we won't be receiving the lead gift for our annual campaign. The financial impact of these losses is significant, and the relational pain is real, too. We dreamed about doing something together, and now the work is ours to complete. The loss of this annual gift puts us in a difficult position as we approach the end of this fiscal year and plan for the start of the next. This year, we are facing a $60,000 deficit, and with only two months left in the fiscal year to make that up, the choices in front of us are somewhat severe. We can draw on our reserves to cover the gap. We can make immediate cuts that impact the way that we do ministry. We can turn to all of us for help. Next Sunday, we'll be holding a special Close the Gap Sunday service where we'll be asking you and all the members and friends of First Universalist to make a one-time gift to help us close the budget gap for this fiscal year. We hope you'll take this week to talk with one another to think through whether and how you might be able to stretch. Generous donors from within the congregation have already offered up $10,000 in matching funds, so together our gifts will go farther than they ever could alone. Next week, we'll also be looking ahead as we plan for our next fiscal year that begins on July 1st. Many of you have already let us know what you plan to give for the next fiscal year, and we're still waiting to hear from many of you, too. As we look ahead, knowing that we will not have this largest gift toward our annual operating budget, we'll ask you to stretch again into next year by making or increasing your financial gift as you're able. Now, I've had a little more time than most of you to adjust to this information, to let it sink in, to move through all of the feelings, and to come to a place where I feel sure that we can take care of this and do this together. I know that my wife and I have talked, we'll be making our one-time gift next Sunday and increasing our gift for the upcoming year. Now, a $60,000 gap may sound overwhelming to any one of us alone, but together, it comes down to about $80 per household. Together, we can do this. 
We know that increasing gifts is not possible for everyone, that each of us has different financial resources available, and that in this place, we are all wanted and worthy, whole and holy as the people we are in this moment. Money is one of the gifts that some of us have to offer. We aren't about guilt or shame here, and the request for financial support for the church isn't going to carry either of those things with it. We're simply going to let you know the truth of where we are so that we can respond together. Things fall apart and come together all of the time, all at the same time. The falling apart can be noisy, capturing our imagination and our attention. But the coming together is happening too, all at the same time, knitting us back together, strengthening us, growing us like roots underground or water washing over the rocks. We come back together just as we fall apart. Mozart's Requiem reminds us that no work can be completed alone. The way of creation demands so much more from us. Pinballing off of one another and all that ever has been and all that ever will be, we each play our parts, participating in the ongoing unfolding of creation. All of us completing the work together. May it be so.
Thank you.